0: Alright, I'll just take off the away. Well, it's either the cicadas or the cockatoos or the wind, there's always something. it's um, alright, we're tough, we're tough. Um, we are, as winter approach John was reminding, we probably will look into more of those blinds around the place so that um, we can close it off and heat it up a bit. Uh, But thank you for coming, thank you for being a flexible bunch that just roll with it in this season of of where we're outdoors and it's a bit crazy. I really honour that. Um, And I've handed out a sheet of paper that I'll make reference to and I've made reference to it before actually quite a few times because I'm passionate about it. But I just want to start by saying, we're going to read from Matthew 26 if you want to have it with you as well. So Matthew 26 verses from verse 31. Um, I want to start by saying, depending on who you are, depending on your heart, depending on what you're into, depending on what makes your heart tick and what you honour and what you don't honour, what you look at, you see differently to someone else. So for for me, especially, I'm probably not as tragic these days, but for me, when Australia kicked the winning penalty to get into the World Cup for the first time in a gazillion years, when I look at that moment, friends, Tears, tears, it's like a weight has been lifted. It's like, oh, the, the drama of breaking that. Now, there's, there'll be some people in this audience who will look at that and feel nothing. Just feel bored. Like, change the channel, please. Now, that's because I'm looking at it with my heart, with my eyes, with my makeup, with what I'm into, with what excites me. And someone else is looking at it to what what excites them, and so we're looking at the same thing, and it's bringing out a different response in different people. You know, it's the same with Jesus. It's absolutely isn't it? The same with Jesus. There are some people who looked at the crucifixion when it happened at that time in history, and they saw so they saw something like this. See, I told you he was a nothing king. See, I told you he wasn't worth following. Look, all his followers deserted him anyway. Look, he's dying on a criminal's cross. I was right not to follow that guy. They just saw something different. And there are some who were looking at it, and, they, and for them it's their saviour, their king on the cross. And it's the same today, isn't it? Some people look, read this narrative of this guy who ends up dying on the cross, and they see nothing worth respecting. They don't see anything worth following. They see something pathetic. They see something, what what am I meant to find in this story where the guy dies at the end and all his friends desert him? What am I meant to get out of that? And there are others who look at it and see something magnificent, see the most beautiful act, the most wonderful thing in the world. Um, So if you'd like to read with me, we're going to read from Matthew chapter 26 verses 31 through to 45. Um, And then we'll we'll chat about um, why those sheets are in front of you and and where we're going today. So, Matthew chapter 26, verses 31 through 245. It says this, Then Jesus told them, This very night you will all fall away on account of me. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I have risen, I will go ahead of you into Galilee. Peter replied, Even if all fall away on account of you, I never will. Truly I tell you, Jesus answered, this very night, before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. But Peter declared, even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. And all the other disciples said the same. Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to them, sit here while I go over there and pray. And he took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him, are you still sleeping and resting? Look, the hour has come, and the Son of Man is delivered into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayal. So, we're going to reflect a little more on the type of king that we see in this passage. But I want to start by repeating something that I've talked about many times, and I want to repeat again. Um, and that is how Jesus prays in this passage, which is super instructive for us. Remembering this, that Jesus is God's own son. so And and one of the best ways to understand that God incarnate, God in the flesh, is this. When Jesus speaks, it is the words of God. When Jesus gets angry, that is exactly a moment when God would get angry. When Jesus treats someone with particular honor, we know that is the type of person God treats with particular honor. He is what God is like, but looking and moving and talking like us. So when he says something is a really good idea, you and I are really, really silly to not pay attention. And so when the disciples back earlier in the, in the in Matthew went to Jesus and said, can you teach us to pray? He gave them a prayer. And it's called the Lord's Prayer. I mean, I was at a Catholic wedding on Friday and we recited the Lord's Prayer. That's what we, as part of the service. And, G, and, and so, so we should recite a prayer that Jesus himself said when his disciples said, teach us to pray. Look, here's a prayer, use it. And so we should use it. Except I think that we've limited it to not the way Jesus intended us to use it. Because when Jesus gave us the Lord's Prayer, He certainly had more in mind for us than just a recitation for official services. He had a prayer that actually is this really comprehensive prayer as a toolbox that helps you pray in different circumstances, that helps you lean into the different attributes of God in different circumstances. Um, And so if you look at that sheet in front of you, Um, It's actually it's like a a breakdown of the different attributes of God that it helps you lean into. It helps you, our Father who art in heaven, is it's helping you lean into God as Father. That's your starting point. You are God's son or daughter. You know, um, may your will be done. I didn't have it in front of me. (laughs) Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's honouring God as our King. Give us today our daily bread. That's, that's leaning into God as our provider. And forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. That's leaning into God as our forgiver. And lead us not into temptation but deliver us from the evil one. That God is our protector and our deliverer. And, and what I want to suggest to you is the way Jesus wanted you and I to use this prayer that came from Jesus... Is he wanted you to take it with you and use it? So, and this is where I'm and this and the reason we see that is I want you to look at the prayers in verse 39 to 42. So, if you have verse 39 in front of you, when Jesus is faced with trial, how does Jesus pray? So, going at verse 39, going a little farther, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed. My Father, so he opened his prayer the way he wanted us to open our prayers. My Father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. He's using the first two lines of the prayer he told us to pray to help him connect to God. He's starting by opening, by addressing God as Father, and then he's leaning into God as King. Not, yet not as I will, but as you will. And then and then read the next verse, right? Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Couldn't you men keep watch with me for one hour? He asked Peter, watch and pray. So now it's their turn to pray, so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. So Jesus is at a moment where it's time for him to lean into God as father and king. The disciples, they're they're in a moment where they're tempted to give in, to sleep. They're, they're facing temptation. So Jesus says, now is the time for you to lean into the later part of the prayer. Lead us not into temptation. That's, a, that's where you're at. That's what you're facing. And then Jesus goes back in verse 42. He went away a second time and prayed, My Father, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it, may your will be done. This is a prayer that God, Jesus gave us and he's actually showing us how to use it. This is a prayer to help you continuously pray, because at every single moment in this week, there will be attributes of God that you need to lean into. Is that not obvious, right? We're told to pray without ceasing. So as you go through life, will there not be moments this week where you need to lean into God as your king? There will be a struggle between your will and God's will, and you will need to focus and pray, you know, your will be done, not mine. Won't there be times this week where you're stressed about finances and you will lean, and you will be tempted towards anxiety and you'll be tempted towards all sorts of things. Won't it be time for you to say, oh Lord, give me today my daily bread. Help me lean into you as your provider. Won't there be times this week where I don't, you'll be in the workplace and you might need a little bit of forgiving power. Someone might just be not treating you so well. And maybe that'll be a time for you to lean into the fact that we forgive as God has forgiven us. As we and so this is a prayer Jesus took with him and used as he went. You know, it's not a prayer that's just designed to stay in official services. There's nothing wrong with reciting it as a, as an act, but this is a prayer Jesus took and used it dynamically and taught his disciples to use the same. When he's on the cross, what part of the prayer does he lean into? Father forgive them. He leans into the forgiveness part of the prayer. And and this is why we need the prayer. This is why we need to pray without ceasing. Because the same sin that crouched at Adam and Eve's door, crouches at your door. And the same sin that crouched at at Cain's door when he was angry at his brother, crouches at your door. You have moments this week where sin is crouching at the door, and you need to lean into God. Because if you do not, sin is crouching at the door to have his way with you. Isn't that true? Aren't these moments just there? And so, Jesus is at a moment where you could say sin is crouching at the door. He does not want to do this. This is a time where it's his will versus his Father's will, and so he needs to pray. And I don't know where we get the, I mean, if, if, if Jesus models to us that the way he faces his difficult moments is that he feels the need to pray, and this is Jesus, who, is it, who am I as Nate to ever think that I would need to face those moments without prayer? When Jesus is facing a difficult moment, he prays. He prays. Jesus prays. It's not because He's the Son of God, He's full of Son of God awesomeness that He doesn't need to pray. He models a human depending on prayer. Isn't that incredible, right? And so, will you need to lean into God this week? Will you need to lean into these attributes of God this week? God gave you a prayer to help you do that. I mean, it's, it's like you can imagine, you know, like sometimes, you know, Gee, God hears things we say, I really struggle to pray. Jesus might go, you know, I gave you a prayer. I gave you a prayer to get you started, to help lean into me. The disciples said, teach us to pray. He said, we'll start here. Here's a good prayer. We need to guard our hearts, don't we? Um, This this last week there was a conversation I didn't want to have with someone because there's a side of me that was worried, the conversation with disappointment, and I've got a people-pleasing thing, right? Like I don't want want to please everyone. And so I didn't want to have this conversation with this person. Sin is crouching at the door. I can lean into my people pleasing. I can avoid the conversation. It's time for me to say, oh, lead me not into temptation, Lord. Like, I'm not going to go down that path. Like, this this is just life. And, And the thing is that in our secular society, we don't have enough respect for the evil that lurks at your door. You know, the way the Bible describes it is, sin is crouching at your door. It's ready. When Cain is resentful towards his brother, sin is ready. It's ready to take over. And he has a choice at that now. He can either lean into God or he can lean into... These moments happen all the time. Absolutely. And so, we're going to come back to that. So, take that as the first part of the sermon. You've got that sheet. Um, I can never... It won't be the last time I repeat it because I don't mind repeating the things Jesus tells us to do. Um, at church, I think that's fine, we can repeat it till the cows come home, because you will never outgrow your need to pray you will never ever reach a point in your faith where you outgrow your need to lean into your father to lean into your king, to lean into your forgiver, to lean into your provider, to lean into your protector and Deliverer. you will never outgrow that in fact, and if Jesus had to do it, you've got to do it, right? like, seriously, that's just how it works we follow him um But as we explore this passage, which is a beautiful passage, one of my favourites, because it's the humanity of Jesus, isn't it? Fully expressing itself. That we have have God's Son saying something, the most human statement I think He makes. I don't want to do it, essentially, is what He's saying. I mean, isn't it beautiful that we have a Saviour that we can see saying those words, I don't want to do it. But I'll do it, if that's what the Father wants. I mean, if we can't relate with that, it's just so... Relatable. Um, and if we can just, let's just read verse 42 again. He went away a second time and prayed, My Father, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it, may your will be done. He's submitting to something awful. And, and, and if we just kind of revisit the themes of Matthew's gospel, um, Jesus announces himself on the scene by saying, What? Repent for the kingdom of Heaven is near, right? Prepare for the kingdom of heaven is near. So Jesus made this really powerful announcement to his Jewish audience who would have recognized it, that this is God taking his world back. This is what we sung about in the Psalms. This is what was talked about in Isaiah. This is the moment. This is God's king. And I'm sure some Jews were really excited because they thought, oh, from this point, he's going to gather a really kick-butt army. We're going to crush the Romans. We're going to rule the world. We're going to be on top again. And then they see this king gather a bunch of fishermen. And then they see this king gather a bunch of weary and burdened and lame and blind and sinners. And they start to get turned off this king and this idea of this kingdom. They're like, I don't know if this is the king we were hoping for. I'm, I'm out of here. And then he starts to teach difficult things. Um, and it culminates in something that's even less impressive. So if you were looking to this king and you're going, no, I don't think you're the messiah. This is a rather pathetic kingdom. I'm not seeing something impressive to me anyway. This guy that keeps calling all the the worst people if you're trying to build any sort of kingdom in this world. And then, right up until the end, they feel justified because what happens at the end? He dies a criminal's death. He dies a criminal's death. And then they see... And, and if they wanted any further justification, they see his followers abandoned him. Oh, I told you he was nothing. That's not the Messiah. Look at that. He doesn't even have any followers left. Just a few people at the foot of the cross now. That's it. But we know, don't we? Because I'm sitting with people who see something different. You see something different, don't you? That's not what you see. We see a king. We see the best sort of king. We see a king that doesn't build himself an army, that doesn't crush others and oppress others. We see a king who sacrifices himself for us. We see a different king. We don't see something pathetic. We see something worth honouring. We honor this, don't we? This is us. He's sacrificing himself for us. And he's also submitting himself to the very worst of human sin in the process. Sin is a sickness. Right at the start, Adam and Eve chose to take what was right in their own eyes, they tried to decide what was right and wrong in their own eyes, they elevated themselves at the expense of God. And since then, human beings have been doing that, right? Sin is crouching at the door. We have those moments all the time. And it equals a dog-eat-dog world full of jealousy and envy and oppressors and oppressed and abusers and abused. That's the world we live in. And when Jesus went to the cross, he didn't just die. So he didn't just take our sin and place it upon himself, but he also exposed himself to the very worst of that sin, we need to, that, like, it's so important. Like, when we look upon Jesus, you're looking upon the worst expression of what sin does to a person. At the, you know, Jesus' Jesus's disciples are about to desert him after they have looked into his eyes, essentially, and said, we will never desert you. Imagine your very best friends were sitting around you. They looked you in the eye and said, we will never desert you. And within a couple of hours, they've all sprinted off. And then he was betrayed into custody by one of those best friends, wasn't he? And then, in the trial, he had to put up with people lying about him. And then he had to see Pilate save his own skin and allow them to crucify him, even though he didn't have a single crime against him that he could accuse him of. And then he saw a criminal released in his stead. And then, even before that, he had his family think he was going a bit crazy. And even before that, he had his family have to run from a despot as a refugee to another land because he was killing all the babies because he just didn't want another king in the world. No wonder Jesus prayed, as any of us would pray, if there is another way, can we do that instead? (coughs) But not my will, but your will. And like I said, while I say that all to you, I know you're filled with this conviction of what a king, what a king that would lay himself aside, what a king that would do that um, all for the sake of love. But I tell you, all it takes is another heart, all it takes is a sinful heart, all it takes is a person enamored by this world to look at it and see nothing. It's not impressive. It's just a guy dying on a criminal's cross with no followers left. That's it. But we see the Son of God dying in our place and walking through the very worst of sin on our behalf. You know, the, one of the big, and if you ever listen to like atheist versus Christian debates and all those sorts of things, a massive question all the time is the suffering question, isn't it? The suffering question. What about suffering? It's its the big thing. It's a big barrier for some people. And you know what? I know that some people think they've got great answers. I sometimes don't have great answers. I think it's really hard. I, I think there are sometimes I can... But there are some depths of suffering I really struggle to account for. Like, oh, geez, I don't know what to say to that. But I know that for the Christian, there is answers we do know. And that it's this. We know that we have a God who entered our suffering and suffers with us. We know that. We know, we can't always, we don't always know why it, it gets as bad as it does, but we know that we have a God postured to be with us when we suffer. We know that, right? We, 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 we're sure on that. And he was a king who truly laid himself aside and was with us in our suffering. And you know, that sort of thing, for people to lay themselves aside for the sake of others, it's still not really honoured in this world. You know, we have people in this church who most of their life is laying themselves aside for someone else. You guys know this, don't you, right? We have some people that that's most of what they do. Nike hasn't knocked on their door for any sponsorships. You know, Time magazine hasn't come and been that interested in what they're doing. Um, There are people in this church who faithfully pray for people, secretly give, Invest in difficult people that can give them nothing in return. Serve people and treat people with grace who are not graceful to them. We have people who lower themselves and lift people up all the time in this community. And you know what, it's just not that impressive to the world. It just doesn't really, it's not that honourable. I mean, they say, yeah, of course that's good. It's, It's not prime time. It's not that exciting. I mean, Elon Musk is more interesting. I mean, that's worth honour. Michael Jordan, even Beyoncé's dance moves, perhaps. And that I mean, that stuff may be cool, but we honour something higher than that, don't we? We honour love. We honour people who lay themselves aside the way Jesus laid themselves aside. And it's the same thing. Some people will look at people who lived those lives and go, "Huh." That doesn't, I don't see anything special in that. It's not sparkly enough for me. But that's not us. We see the way to live. We see the king to follow. We are people who are all about that sort of love, aren't we? That's what we honour the most. That's what we honour the most. And here's the thing. And this is where, if you missed last week's sermon, really good to go, listen to it. Um, Here's the thing. There are people out there who don't know Jesus yet who actually are impressed by the same thing and actually are drawn to those same things and actually are the type of people, if they meet a king that represents those things, will be like, I've been looking for that my whole life. There are people soft towards God in this world. And Jesus said, look, taught his disciples, look for the people that welcome you. There are people soft towards me. Invest where the people welcome you. Who are the people who invite you into their homes? Invest there. They're the people who you might want to introduce Jesus to. They're the people who you might want to read the Bible with because we love this King, right? There are broken people here sitting before me and at home who love this King because... He meets them in their brokenness. But can I say this is true as well? There are people in St. Clair and in your workplaces who are broken people who will also love this king if you introduce him to them. There will be people who won't care, but that's always been true. That's always been true. There are people in this community, hopefully all of us, (laughs) hopefully, there are people in this community who know they need forgiveness. Amen? (laughs) Then <laughs> You know it. You know it's so deep. You get reminded of it every week. And you know what? There are people out there who don't know Jesus there, who know their need for forgiveness. They know. They know there's something up. They know they can't get it right. They know they need God's forgiveness. There are people here who have their heart moulded so that they're less impressed by the things of this world. They're no longer that excited about everyone loving them or having all the money in the world because Jesus has honoured their heart. But, you know, I can tell you right now there are people in this world who feel at this moment let down by the idols of this world. They feel confused. They they feel like all of it's meaningless and there must be something more. There are people out there that are looking to honour a different kind of king. And we know that king, don't we? We know King Jesus. We know King Jesus. So what you see, friends, when you look at Jesus is everything. Do you see a pathetic man, deserted by his followers, on a cross reserved for criminals? That was a failed kingdom attempt that never came to pass? Or do you see the risen King who loves us, offers forgiveness? Do you feel compelled to follow him with all your heart, And is this the type of king you feel compelled to pray with all week? Your will be done. Your will be done. Because if that's what you see, and you're telling me right now that that's where you want to keep your gaze this week, use his prayer. Use his word. Use his people. Because there is a world out there that doesn't honour Jesus that will draw your eyes away. But keep your eyes on Jesus the coming King. Amen? Alright, let's pray. Uh, dear Heavenly Father, I just want to thank you so much that you're not just the King who says, follow me, but you give us tools, you give us ways, you give us words, you give us words to listen to and ways to follow and, and you demonstrate what it means to follow you. So you gave us this prayer we can use to cling to you and then you showed that you were happy to use your own prayer to cling to the Father in your desperate moments. We want to thank you, Lord, that you're not a king like the other kings of this world. That you're not a king who impresses with his grandeur, with his power, with his, with his, um, with his influence, Lord. But you're a king that appeals to us with sacrificial love. You're a king that appeals to us by putting himself under us, Lord. And we honour that. And we honour all the people who follow in the way of that. And, that. and we just pray that you would help us be more like you. Give us hearts that are more enamoured, more impressed by that sort of thing than the things of this world. And we pray, Lord, for the people in our workplaces and in St. Clair and in our in our social groups, Lord, and the different clubs we're a part of. The people, Lord, who are looking for a king like that. Would you reveal them to us and give us the confidence to introduce you to them, Lord? Uh, and we just pray that we would continue to be enamoured by the King this week. And we ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Mm. Well, We'll do one more song, just as a closing reflection. We'll do Be Thou My Vision.